Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to a playoff edition of the Buffalo Bills Believe podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. We are so pleased you've taken the time wherever and however you are listening to this week's episode to check out the opinions and thoughts of myself, John Boccasino, and my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, my good friend who recently celebrated a birthday. So, uh, very happy belated birthday to Jamie. Very happy belated new year uh, to our audience and happy holidays. Hope everyone had a great relaxing time with their family and friends and the Buffalo Bills clearly did us no favors in the stress department uh, leading up to and after the holidays gutting out some pretty ugly wins. Uh, but the, all that matters is Jamie, these Bills are riding high heading into the playoffs as the two seed five-game winning streak to close out the regular season, snatching up that number two seed in South Beach with a big win over the Dolphins. It's pretty crazy how uh, this team at one point was 11th in the conference at 6-6, six and six, and now they're the second-best team in the AFC. They were dead in the water and somehow managed to turn it around, and that, I have to say, shows quite a bit of resilience and do you remember we had this conversation before the season began? An article came out that was talking about the teams who are the most battle-tested during the season tend to do the best in the playoffs. It, conversely, it also showed that teams that waltz through the regular season and win their division by a wide margin tend to not make it to the conference championship game. Well, we can say that this Bills team has not had an easy road of it. That's also cause for concern, though, because you would like to see them dominate more and not have as many close games. But this is different than what we've seen the past couple of years. This is a team that really had to had a real gut check after week 12 and said, all right, are we going to make the playoffs? Or are we just going to pack it in? And here we are. Yeah, I do remember that article. Uh, pretty vividly. I was actually trying to Google and find uh, there was an updated one that came out right after the division titles were clinched. And if you're a Bills fan, this is good news. Um, if you're a fan of the Ravens or the Steelers, probably not as much. But yeah, there's a long trend. I believe it was at least going back to the 2001 season that teams that have to gut out a playoff berth who basically are in win or lose, you know, win or die mode week in and week out, which the bills were uh, ever since that loss to the Eagles dropped them to six and six, that teams that are in that playoff mode for the last part of the regular season tend to go farther than the teams that can coast can rest their starters. And I'm not even going to go down the road of, you know, resting starters when you clinch with a week to go. I mean, the bills, essentially had no choice but to keep winning if they wanted their playoff hopes. I mean, there was even a chance right. on Sunday where if the Tennessee Titans didn't man up and uh, and honor Derrick Henry's final game with the team and Ryan Tannehill's final game with the team by shocking the Jaguars, I mean, the Bills could have missed the playoffs entirely if they had lost 
to the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. So, I, and I believe two of the best examples of that, Jamie, of the teams riding a hot streak. There's a couple uh, recent examples of teams riding a hot streak at the end of the regular season to win the Super Bowl. You got most most recently was Tampa Bay with mm-hmm. Tom Brady when they were seven and five, and then they rattled off, didn't lose the rest of the way. Uh, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did this one year with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, where they were middling, and then they came back and and won the whole thing. And also the New York Giants beating Tom Brady twice. Both of those years, those Patriots teams breezed to the divisional title, and the Giants were in a dogfight just to make the playoffs. So there's something to be said for being in playoff mode, you know, continuously, and how that will serve a team come the postseason. Yes, and the reason for that is teams learn how to play under pressure, when things on the line and it's like a muscle you sort of learn how to wrap your mind around it and know that hey i need to stay calm here but i need to get it done as opposed to teams that are all of a sudden in a panic situation when they when they get to the playoffs so much of sports is mental and i think that gets lost a lot of times like what is really the difference between the good and the great players a lot of times, it's what they have between their ears. Want to know why I wasn't good at sports, John Boccasino? The lack of physical talent. But also, <laughs> <laughs> but also, when anything was on the line, any game of any kind, playing horse in the driveway, when it was on the line, I, I folded. I folded like a paper tiger every single time <laughs> because I didn't have that killer instinct. And you know what? There's pros that don't have it either. Yeah, that's definitely true. The the between the ears, uh, the intangibles, if you will. And it's funny, Jamie, you mentioned the uh, the the folding uh, like a paper tiger whenever the pressure comes on. See, I'm the opposite. I always, I wasn't a great, I mean, I was a decent basketball player. I always wanted the rock. I always wanted a chance to put it up. I always want to putt for a match on the line. I want to be serving in tennis uh, for a match. I want to be at the plate with the game winning run at third base. I loved that pressure uh, of, of trying to step up and respond. So I guess opposites do attract when it comes to podcasts. Well, also you and I are very different size wise. So yeah, you wanted the rock in basketball. Well, guess what? I was way out past the three point line. Cause everybody was taller than me and bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, Jamie, as we're, as we're sitting here on believe trying to get our bills fans ready uh, for this wild card game, part of what the NFL has now dubbed Super Wild Card Weekend, there is a speaking of the mental intangibles and mental fortitude, there is a great unknown hovering, literally physically hovering over this game. It's a massive lake effect snowstorm that is projected to be hitting the Buffalo area. We are recording Saturday morning. And according to X, uh, Twitter, uh, the people on there, the storm has already started in a sense of the strong gusting gale winds that are coming through. There is projected to be anywhere between one to three feet of snow that is dumped on the Buffalo Orchard Park area between Saturday Mm. and Monday morning. And smack dab in the middle of this, the Bills are hosting the Steelers uh, in a playoff game. And you know, as of right now, the game is on for one o'clock on Sunday. 
they're not going to move this game to Cleveland. That was a stupid rumor that got started uh, earlier in the week. But I'm very curious, and this is probably going to be obsolete by the time the podcast drops, but in my opinion, Jamie, I, I think it's reckless and dangerous to host this game at 1 o'clock on a Sunday when you could be facing blizzard-like conditions wind gusts up to 60 to 65 miles an hour. Now it's not going to be that type of wind during the game, but if you've got two feet of snow and you're trying to drive through it, I don't know. I I think it's irresponsible to not push this game to Monday afternoon. That's my two cents. This is a perfect example of it's a game and there's things that are bigger than a game. And that includes people's safety, New York under a state of emergency. So that should tell you something. Now, this is probably the kind of thing where the networks are pushing really hard to keep things on schedule. Now, do you want to push this to Monday morning and uh, potentially give the Bills a shorter week to play the next game? I mean, let's, let's look at it this way. The almighty dollar always wins. They don't actually care about fan attendance. They care about TV money. And with that in mind, they would rather have a three-quarters empty stadium and a game go off on time than they would to have to ask the networks to postpone the view. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get you, buddy. And, I, 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 and I, I've been torn about this because, first of all, you hit the hammer. You hit the nail right on the head with the hammer when you talked about there's more important things than a football game. Um, what I wonder is what's going to happen if they close, they've already done a state of emergency. What if there's a travel ban on the New York state Thruway And a lot of people want to travel all it takes. I remember the bills dolphins game last year. I remember the bills Colts. Now the bills Colts game is different because they were calling for maybe an inch of snow And then at about 11 o'clock in the morning, this Lake Effect band decided to camp out solely over the stadium and dump eight inches of snow. This Mm. is totally different. This is a weather phenomenon that they have been projecting and predicting since Monday. Now, I will say, Jamie, again, I am no meteorologist, nor do I play one on TV. But I was looking as we were talking here, the predictions are getting a little better as far as being over Orchard Park, it looks like the bulk of this storm and the snow and the high winds are going to be Saturday, Saturday night, and then into Sunday morning. But by 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, the band seems to have shifted up a little bit to encompass the Buffalo downtown area, and Orchard Park is on the Fritz of that main damage. However, this thing can change at a moment's notice. So mm-hmm. that to me is what I, I, from what I've read, from what I've seen, it opens up a lot more to more favorable conditions starting Monday morning. I just don't understand. I've heard people say, Oh, and you've made the argument very eloquently that it's all about money and revenue. Why? And it's a federal holiday on Monday. I know not everybody has a day off. It might be a nightmare for people with tickets, but conceding that the league doesn't care about the fans actually going to the game. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me they wouldn't generate a boatload of revenue putting this game at four 
or 4.30 in the afternoon on Monday, leading up to the Monday night doubleheader. So you'd have the Bills Steelers at 4 and the Eagles Buccaneers at 8.30. That to me seems like a ratings bonanza and, more importantly, the common sense move. I, I, I can't disagree with you. I, I, I really can't disagree with, with that take because, yeah, you are speaking from the perspective of a person with season tickets who undoubtedly plans to attend this game and is questioning the wisdom of yourself making that two-hour drive, which may end up being a four-hour drive. Or five. And all it takes is one knucklehead who thinks that they're immune and they jackknife, and then you're stuck with a situation where people are trapped on the throughway. I mean, it's it has the potential for disaster. It's always a douche and a pickup, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, if you ever put out a country music album, that should be your first song, Douche in a Pickup Truck. <laughs> well, that would alienate me to all my fans right off the bat. <laughs> so maybe that wouldn't work. Uh, it's it, it's it's crazy, man. And and I feel like though this is a good segue into the the style of game. We're gonna talk about this game under the presumption that it is still happening on Sunday and it's gonna happen in this crazy snow globe environment. Although again, I was starting to say earlier, it looks like the snow at kickoff is going to be diminishing to around four inches, whereas before they were saying it could be up to a foot during the day and leading up to kickoff. So well, there's let's... still going to be snow on the ground. And and this leads us to a style question here on Bill. Well, be before we get there though. Yeah. Are you going to go? Yeah. As long as it is safe to go, we will be there. We have booked a hotel with refund. It's refundable for both Saturday night in case we want to leave later today. I don't think we're going to do that though, because this is going to be the lion's share of the storm on Saturday, but we have a hotel Sunday as well, fairly close to the stadium. So worse comes to worse. If the road is awful, um, a we'll turn around. I mean, if we sense impending doom, we're not going to be the douche in a pickup truck, uh, forcing his way through these elements. But as long as it's safe to go and the throughway hasn't been closed down. Yes, we will be there on Sunday. Okay. Okay, I, I was I was curious because you have strong feelings about this, but it would be very not Bacassino like to miss a playoff game. Listen, man, I this would be the fourth straight year that I've gotten to see a home playoff game at the stadium. And did you know a random fact of trivia that literally only myself cares about? But I'm going to put that out here on the Bill Eve episode. Anyway, there were only two teams that I've never had the pleasure of seeing the Bills beat in person. One of them is the Steelers, who crushed me with the Stevie Johnson, why you gotta do me like that God drop <laughs> in overtime. And I missed the Steelers route last year because of COVID. Damn you, COVID. Um, and I happened to be at that game. That could have been our first meeting. I know. <laughs> but wow. obviously the universe is trying to keep us apart. The universe is trying to keep us apart. And I wonder if the universe is trying to keep me from ever seeing the bills beat the Steelers because this massive snowstorm is a major impediment. And by the way, the other team I've never seen the bills beat are the new Orleans saints who are coming to town in 2025. So hoping to cross all those teams off of the Bacchusino bills, bingo card that I'm holding on to with dear life out here in my, uh, my personal home. 
But Jamie, this this weather, yeah, I'm going to be there. I commend all Bills fans for their attitude of wanting to go. But please be safe. Pack extra blankets, pack extra layers, pack water, pack a shovel, uh, pack a sandbag if you can to try to get traction. If your car does get stuck, make sure you're not stuck in a situation where you're relying on the generosity of others to get you out. Be prepared and we'll get through this. Smart advice. I try, buddy, every now and then. And uh, so now let's let's go to the X's and O's for this game on, again, presuming it's Sunday afternoon. There's this Steelers team, man. It's interesting because they've got this pop gun offense led by Mason Rudolph, but really they're all about the ground and pound and the pass catchers out of the backfield. They have two backs who are phenomenal at both running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. One more than the other. It's Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I'm worried, Jamie, about this Bills run defense, which has been pretty good all year long. But if Tyrell Dodson is forced to miss this game, this could be a big weakness for Buffalo. It it definitely could be. Now, the Steelers like to run the ball between the tackles. And that is actually an advantageous way for the Bills to be defending because if Dodson is in the lineup, He doesn't really have the speed to get out on the edge. And we saw that Miami did a great job of running the ball outside against the Bills. Why Miami went away from that in the second half, I will never know. But hey, different conversation for a different time. Anyway, so that's looking up. However, the style of play of the offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers is very much a hat on hat. I'm going to push you you're not going to push me. They. This is a road grading type of offensive line. And the Bills have not been great against highly physical teams in the trenches. We've seen it on, on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So if you end up in a situation where teams have to run the ball, and that's going to be the only offense, and let's face it, as strong as Josh Allen's arm is, if they're 60-mile-per-hour wins... You're not throwing the ball. You're not even pitching the ball to your back because it's going to get it's going to get blown off course, even if it's going only a couple of yards. So, yes, that is advantage Pittsburgh right there because those backs are powerful, and so is the offensive line. And, oh, by the way, they have good tight ends too. Yeah, Pat Freermuth is a really solid receiver and a good blocker. Uh, in the tight end spot for Pittsburgh. And you're right. The Bills have had some struggles with the physically imposing offensive lines. Um, But I think one of the, you can't underestimate the importance of Daquan Jones being back in the lineup uh, for this Bills defense. I think Terrell Dodson is going to give it a go. He was limited in practice on Friday, but something seems to have clicked with his recovery where I think you're going to see him out there. And, you know, the snow is, again, a neutralizing factor, but I feel like Buffalo's defense will find a way knowing like you don't have to worry about Mason Rudolph picking you apart. I mean, yes, the Steelers have two really good receivers in George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, but I feel like Buffalo's defense will be suited to neutralize a team and make them even more one dimensional because since week nine, no team has ran the ball more than the Steelers have. They're averaging a 32 rushing attempts 
and 145.2 yards per game a lot. since week nine. That's a ton. I mean, they're having a lot of success running the ball. But when they've needed Mason Rudolph to make a play, he's basically done a wing and a prayer throw up or a really quick slant pass, and his receivers have gotten past the secondary. I actually think that with the run oriented plan that the Steelers are going to bring to the table on Sunday. If Rasul Douglas is not able to go, I actually think Dane Jackson is going to be a very valued member of this defense for just how well Mm -hmm. his physicality comes into play and how much of a good run stuffer he is. Because again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers run 60 plays and only 15 of them are passes with how this weather's shaping up on Sunday. I I 100% agree with that. And uh, Dane Jackson, for all the issues that he may have when he is a starting cornerback, they are all coverage issues. He is he's a great tackler, probably the best form tackler on the team, even better than um, even better than Taron Johnson. So if you have him playing up near the line of scrimmage, Asking him to play the run, you're actually in a you're actually in a very good position. Rasul Douglas is a he's perfectly fine as a tackler. Dane Jackson is a little bit better, so I'm actually feeling like the Bills will not miss him, Rasul Douglas, as much as they might have with a very different type of offense. Say if it were Kansas City or Miami coming into Buffalo. That said, the offense generally is at an advantage when footing is bad because the offensive players know where they're going and the defensive players are on their heels reacting to it. So who's going to get off the line? You know, they, they talk about coming off the line hard. Who's going to come off the line harder and who's going to be able to knock the offensive line or defensive line backwards. That's, that's going to be the key to the game. Now, Greg Rousseau, excellent run defender. Uh, Shaq Lawson, pretty good run defender. Leonard Floyd, eh, not very good, and we've seen that uh, that Von Miller really can't hold up at the point of attack these days. So where does that leave you? I think you're going to see one of these games, Jamie, where this is an Ed Oliver special. I mean, I think hmm. – so here's two things I'm going to give you. First of all, Ed, Ol- Ed Oliver should have been an all-pro. He's a phenomenal yeah. member of this defense. He's going to be so – kicked off and playing with a chip on his shoulder from the slight of not earning an all pro. He's going to shred blocks all day long and cause trouble and be disruptive. And Greg Russo and Shaq Lawson, but Russo more than Shaq are, are really good run stuffing defensive ends. I think the bills will have the edge in getting off the edge, getting off the line of scrimmage to be disruptive against the Steelers offensive line. And that also brings in a wild card at play. Jordan Poyer is really, he excels in these situations of being somebody who can drift and roam when he needs to, but can come up and into the box when the situations call for it. I don't think the Steelers are going to have the guaranteed success on the ground that they've had over the last eight, nine weeks of the season because A, the Bills are going to know it's coming. B, they're not afraid of Mason Rudolph. And C, this team, man, I'm telling you, they're, they've been in that playoff mode for so long, they're going to welcome this challenge of trying to slow down Harris and Warren. Interesting. Because I think everybody knows it's coming with the Steelers. 
Here's the thing that concerns me. If the weather conditions are just nice enough that they can play action pass, that's the thing that concerns me is because we know Mason Rudolph can get into a rhythm. And if he gets into a rhythm, he's a timing passer. He's not going to beat you by throwing deep or throwing lasers around the field. He's more out of that Tua sort of mold of he's going to throw the ball on time and in the right spot. Not as well as Tua. He's a backup. But that's my concern is the Bills sell out to stop the run. Next thing you know, you've got a tight end wide open seven yards downfield. If if Mason's able to take those short throws and make them, you know, we mentioned the weather. I mean, Mason, is, and I, I'll give him a lot of credit. He's gone from being a third stringer to leading a 3-0 and start for the team that got Pittsburgh into the playoffs. And the Steelers are averaging almost 10 points more per game with Rudolph under center than they were with Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, dude's winning games, huh? He, he's, he's managing the offense. Um, but during those, he's completing 75% of his passes during those three starts, but he's not taking shots. He's not taking chances. And the one game he had that was poor was last week against Baltimore's backups in a game that was played in a downpour and awful weather conditions. So yeah. I don't think that bodes well at all for Mason Rudolph being able to orchestrate long, sustained drives you know, for the Steelers. So I think, honestly, Jamie, if the Bills can get to 20 points, they're going to win this game. That's my very humble, modest prediction. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, 20 points with with the weather conditions that we're expecting, I feel like 20 points could end up being a lot. Because the Bills' offense really starts clicking when Josh Allen is doing Josh Allen things. It takes away half of Josh's game if... If you can't throw the ball downfield. Now, I know people are going to say, well, downfield, he and Diggs haven't been connecting. That's not what I'm talking about. Getting the ball 20 yards downfield, 15 yards downfield. If you have 40 mile per hour wins, it makes it more difficult. If the Bills end up more one-dimensional as a result of that, getting to 20 points is going to be a challenge. I, in my prediction for this game, which we will get to later, I predict that the Bills will not get to 20 points, but still win the game. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
Well, I guess it all depends. And we've kind of gone through at length of, you know, as much as we can give you the Steelers breakdown on offense, I predict them to be very one dimensional. I think Jamie does too. I think one area though, that gives should give bills fans more cause to celebrate is just how great Buffalo's offensive line has played this year. And hopefully we get the James cook who decides to hang onto the ball versus dropping the ball. And I feel like this weather, Jamie, this is different than last year's snow game versus the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round. James cook is a better two way threat than Devin Singletary was. And I feel like this is going to be a great chance for James to cook to lead the ground game, to lead the offense. And I'm hoping we see a, a offensive game plan, even though the Steelers are known for being solid against stopping the run. I believe they're 27th or 28th in the league in run defense. They can be run on. And if the bills go out there and attack this game plan, if Joe Brady dials up a good script, like he did versus the Cowboys, when the bills ran 46 times for 270 yards, that's the kind of blueprint I want to see on Sunday. Okay. I hear you. But I'm thinking it's going to be playoff Lenny, and here's why. Ooh, okay. James Cook, over the last month of the season, has had the second worst yards after contact in the NFL. And he has 237 carries this season. In college, he totaled about 250 carries. He has never had this kind of workload. Last year, he carried the ball 89 times. I think, at least what the stats are telling me in his yards after contact, and also his yards per carry has gone down, he is wearing out. So I think what you need to do if you are Joe Brady is bring in a heavy dose of playoff Lenny, that being Leonard Fournette. And use James Cook as a change of pace. Use him like a Ferrari. Get him out on the edge when the Steelers aren't expecting it. And I think if you combine the two of those, you're going to have a, a great opportunity. Now, here's the one thing I am concerned about. Ty Johnson. Yep. What do you think of Ty Johnson, just in general? What, what do you think of him? So I'll, I'll give you my perfect synopsis of Ty Johnson, and it ties into your playoff Lenny comment. One of the concerns I have for the Bills offense, and this is even with star edge rusher TJ Watt missing this game, the Bills running backs last week versus the Dolphins were not good at picking up the blitz. Right. They were not good at giving Josh added time and protection. I think you're going to see uh, the Bills are going to have three running backs active. It's going to be Cook, Fournette, and I think we're going to get a healthy dose of Latavius Murray because the Bills cherish what he brings as a blocker for this offense. And now, granted, you can mix in Reggie Gilliam, too, but Murray actually has carved out a nice role on this team. I don't think the Bills are going to miss Johnson this week. I think this is a week where you can and they're going to miss Gabe Davis more. They're going to miss Gabe Davis as a blocker much more, I think, than having Ty Johnson out there. But if the Bills, you're going to see a running back by committee. I mean, maybe they're able to go out there and it's Cook and it's Murray and it's playoff Lenny who are leading the charge, rushing the ball. But I think this is a week the Bills can make up for not having Ty Johnson and Gabe Davis by getting back to basics and just going back to simple 
offensive scripts that run the ball down Pittsburgh's throat, especially with Watt sidelined. So I think, first of all, I'm glad that Ty Johnson is, he's cleared concussion protocol. He's cleared to play. That's great. I think the Bills really have something in Johnson. The energy that he has when he's out on the field, he runs really hard. He has a combination of size and speed. He has something that the rest of the running backs don't have, which is that combination. James Cook, you've got speed for days. With the other two guys, you've got power. This guy seems to have both. Hot take here. I think for this week, Ty Johnson is going to be the Bills' best running back. Whoa. Hot take, right? Hot take Jamie over there. If you want to respond to his blistering hot take, he is at the Jamie D'Amico on Twitter, and I am at John Boccasino here. But yeah, Jamie, that's interesting. I, I think we both agree that the ground game is going to be key. Um, I think that if the Bills have to put the ball in Josh's hands, he's going to be capable. He's going to find a way to make the throws because even though the win can be crazy to overcome, I loved how Josh played from the second quarter on when it came to, he said after the game, that's the best he's been throwing the ball all year long. Yep. And he only had three incompletions during that time frame. I think Josh is going to be dialed in, is not going to make those crazy mistakes. He knows he's got to play within himself. Otherwise, the season's over with. That's true. And that's that goes back to what we've been saying all year long. This is not about the Bills' opponent. This is about the Bills. If the Bills play the way they're capable of playing, they win this game hands down. And the one thing that has really prevented the Bills from doing what they need to do has been the inconsistency of Josh Allen. Now, yes, there have been some other things along the way. There have been some questionable coaching moves, some defensive lapses, but when Josh Allen takes care of the ball and makes good decisions, the Bills win. So here it is. Now the Bills are playing the best teams in the NFL because that's what the playoffs are. It's time to take care of the ball. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Got to take care of every possession. And possessions, I mean, this is, again, one of those things with the inclement weather. The impetus is on the Bills to have those long, time-consuming drives where they eat up clock, move downfield, and just get points on every possession out there. The Steelers are trying to become the first number seven seed to beat a number two seed in the wild card format. I don't see it happening. I think the weather does, again, bring these two teams a little bit closer to each other. It does. But I still have the Bills winning this one because for all the reasons that we mentioned out there and more, Buffalo is just a better team. And if it comes down to the Bills offense versus the Steelers offense, I like Buffalo. And Buffalo's defense, especially since Daquan Jones has come back in the mix and with TJ Watt being sidelined, not enough can be said about how big of an impact that's going to have on the Steelers. I believe they're one in nine in games without TJ Watt out there rushing the passer. They're a good defense, but they're not great at stuffing the run. And their strength is a really solid secondary. But if the Bills aren't forced to throw the ball a ton, you take away that strength. Yeah, I, that's a great point. And that really leaves one player that 
I'm worried about, which is Cam Hayward. We've seen him have great games against the Buffalo Bills in the past, albeit the Bills were playing far worse on the offensive line back in those days. But Cam Hayward, I mean, that guy's a wagon out there. He is. I mean, <laughs> he is a great player that will blow up even the best offensive lines. So what he does or what the Bills are able to do with him on running plays is going to be the key to the game to me because he can he can stuff the run and the Bills are going to have to do a lot of that, but he can rush the passer too. He's a guy who collapses pockets and ruins offensive plans play after play out there. We've Again, we've seen him do it. So where does that bring us? Well, I think the Bills are going to be doing a lot of double teaming there, but it helps that you're not going to have a TJ Watt out there because, yes, while Watt is a great pass rusher, he's just a great player, and that gets lost. Players like him make plays. They force fumbles. They they hit running backs in the backfield. They get interceptions. He's everywhere all the time because He's just one of the best in the NFL. Side note, do you think athleticism runs in families? Yeah, I think so. I think there's inherent genes that can get past. I mean, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I think I think there's some merit to that. What about you? Yeah, yeah I, I would say look at the Watt family as proof. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and Jamie, I'm glad you brought up Cam Hayward because before you, you segue off to your next thought, I wanted to piggyback off yeah. of that. I think what you're going to see on Sunday to neutralize Cam Hayward is a lot of what the Bills did to neutralize Micah Parsons when they shut down the Cowboys' talented edge rusher, defensive freak, you know, defensive player of the year. You notice what they did in that game. They both ran at Micah Parsons, and they did a lot of misdirection to go the opposite way from Micah Parsons with their pulling tackles. That is one of the areas the Bills have really excelled in uh, this year when it comes to their offense. Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins, first of all, Spencer Brown has been phenomenal this year, much improved. But the way that the Bills offense operates well is with the tackles pulling, leading the way, opening up blocks downfield. And that tackle trap is one of the Bills' specialties. They executed that to perfection a bunch of times against the Cowboys. And that means you're going to have backups for the Steelers trying to fight through pretty effective trap blockers in Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown. And I think that misdirection is going to lead to some confusion and it might be able to neutralize Cam Hayward. We can hope. We can hope. Um, Interior defensive linemen, a lot of times what they're doing is trying to get up the field uh, regardless of the direction the play is going. So yeah, let, let's get him moving his feet sideways the wrong direction and, and see where that takes us. That's a good recipe for success. Joe Brady, if you're listening, please take note. Implement that in the game plan, whether it's Ty Johnson, Latavius Murray, Leonard Fournette, or of course, letting James Cook leading this Bills backfield on Sunday. I feel like this is one of those cases where we have to ask one of our regular listeners, Brandon Bean, to pass a message along. You know, I, I hear he's got the capability. He's going to see the, uh, and by the way, this is a matchup of two interim offensive coordinators in the playoffs. Wonder how yeah, isn't rare that, interesting? that is. That is very interesting to me. 
Yeah, I it, the fortunes of both teams have improved after replacing their offensive coordinators midseason, which that's not too common, is it? I can't imagine. I mean, with the Bills firing Ken Dorsey and uh, with the the Steelers, you know, moving on from uh, Matt Canada, it is pretty interesting to have the Steelers with their interim offensive coordinator and uh, Joe Brady having the interim title for the Buffalo Bills offense. But it's going to be interesting. The Steelers, again, they know what they want to do. They want to run the ball down Buffalo's throat. The Bills are more balanced on offense, and I feel like the elements are going to be fun, but I think Buffalo's still going to prevail in this one. Jamie, you teased our audience by saying the Bills will win and not get to 20 points. So what are you seeing as a prediction for Sunday? I think the Bills get to 17 points in this one, and they are going to win a close game because that's how these Bills do it. They, The Bills do not go out there and smoke teams anymore. That's what they did at the beginning of the season, and it feels like it was years ago. So they're going to win this one 17-12. And what I see happening there is the Steelers are going to score... A touchdown. No, they're going to score two touchdowns and miss both extra points. (laughs) So it's not going to be a four field goal outing uh, for the Steelers is what you're saying. It's going to be two (laughs) touchdowns and two missed PATs. I like it. The Bills win under uh, Jamie's prediction out there. I am going to say the Bills are going to win. And you know what? The hell with it. They're going to cover. 23 to nine. The Steelers are limited to field goals. The Bills are going to get a defensive touchdown. That'll be my bold prediction for the score on Sunday. If Rasul Douglas plays, I'm looking right at him. He's a turnover machine. But I just feel like with the weather, with the elements, with Buffalo's pass rush, and with Mason Rudolph not being a proven quarterback, the Bills defense will get a score and the Bills will move on to host up game next weekend in the divisional round. Bills fans, we want to hear your thoughts. What do you think is going to play out in this wild card game in wacky wild weather in Orchard Park on Sunday? Get involved with our podcast on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. We want your feedback. Get involved with our podcast. For my venerable colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off for this week's episode of the Bill Eve podcast. Go Bills!